Scully's big and bold radio conversation. There's always something going on. Your radio doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m. We are delighted to be back with yet another broadcast. How are you doing today? Jesse here, the African Sun, together with Ephraim Ramwenje. We are your hosts on this special edition of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. I'm excited. Last week, we did learn about the art of uh, effective sales communication. Everyone is and can be a seller. And if your company has not adapted to that mentality that your receptionist can be a seller, your getman can be your seller, Mm. the CEO is a seller, Mm. then you just might want to jump onto the ship now and understand (laughs) it is critically important that everyone in your company should understand what you're all about and how you should do it to effectively communicate to your customers because it gives you several advantages. Hey, Frame, how are you today? I'm good, my brother. I'm very good, as always. How are you? I am fantastic. I'd like us to jump in quick yes. into our episode today, Mastering the Art of Prospecting. Yes. Recently, you opened up a company and you were selling bulbs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I watched you, mm-hmm. how you got into the concept, mm-hmm. how you got your supply. You were prospecting and then you were making sales. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just take me quickly. Okay. Onto prospecting. How okay. are you doing it? Okay, so let me let me connect what we're about to speak today with what we spoke on last week. Mm. Um, so last week we talked about the art of sales, um, the art of communication or effective communication in yes. sales. What I what what I noticed was that a lot of people, um, their understanding of sales. At least let's talk about it from the technical aspect of it. They know the word sales funnel. They don't know the word sales, sales channel. And before we get into to the conversation of today, I need to create that distinction because when we talk of leads, prospects, and sales opportunities, it, that's a different perspective from what we talked about last week. Mm. So last week, we talked about a sales channel. And I mentioned there's identification, there's research. Do you remember what else I talked about? Okay, school of business. So, so, <laughs> so we have the identification, we have the research, we have the the purchase decision and we have the the experience. Mm. Now, we also talked about empathetic listening and we talked about the impact it has on your ability to provide value for the customer because you're looking at it from there, that perspective. Now, most people don't know such a sales channel. Now, what we do here, at least what we try to provide on Living Entrepreneurship by Salty is a different perspective. Mm. We're not bringing you theory. We're bringing you the practical aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we talked about it from that type of angle was because we wanted you to look at it from the customer's perspective and not from your perspective. Normally, leads, prospects, and opportunity are from the salesperson's perspective. But at the end of the day, the the person who's going to make the decision to buy is not you. The sale is not made by you. It's made by the customer. So as a salesperson, you need to understand what, what, what stages or what's the process or the process through which, what's the process through which a customer goes through to make that decision to buy from you. Mm-hmm. So they identify, they do the research. After they do the research, they make the purchase decision, then they experience the product. Now, that is sales channel. Mm. 
Mm. Now, again, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the customer. Now let's talk about what we're going to talk about today about prospecting. We have what we call a sales funnel. Mm. Now a sales funnel is, again, it's sales speak, it's technical, and we're not trying to be a theoretic here, though you need to know some elements of theory because they actually apply to the practical, but this is real stuff. And you brought up the story of me and the bulbs, and so these are mosquito-repellent light bulbs. Um, so instead of you having to, to worry so much about mosquitoes, you just plug in a light bulb, you turn it on at a specific time. The test had been done. It was 60% effective at minimizing, if used right, minimizing the number of mosquitoes in your house. Mm. Now, when we decided to take it up, again, we used the same framework that I'm about to share today. So quickly, uh, so you have um, a sales lead, um, you have a prospect, then that prospect turns into an opportunity. Now, what is the sales lead? The sales lead is somebody who, it's somebody who you want to identify your product. Mm. This is somebody who at some point identifies that you, you have a product that does X, Y, and Z or a service that does X, Y, and Z, right? That, that lead then turns into a prospect. Now, a prospect is a qualified lead. This is now somebody who is, um, has identified the product, has researched the product, but have not yet made the purchase decision. Mm. Now, at that stage now, that's where you have to prospect and you have to push and see how now to turn that person into a sale, which is now where you have your sales opportunity. So now, today we're talking about prospecting in the middle. But before we get to prospecting, we need to talk about leads. So again, leads are people who have identified your product. These are people who have seen it. Now, I'm going to give some stats here, right? I did some research um, and I even posted it on my, on my Twitter feed or X dot com feed um and i was talking about how it, and man these statistics whenever i read them i'm also shocked so apparently to cold call somebody which is now trying to help your customer with the research because you've identified them but now the question is how do you get them to get more content on what you guys do mm. so part of cold calling is identification and a bit of research right at the same at the same time apparently you need to make 200 the, the, the data was, uh, on average, salespeople need to call 200 and make 209 cold calls. 209, so 200 plus cold calls to get one appointment. Well, looks the, too much. I'm coming. It's, no, that's not that bad, actually. Wait, now it gets worse. The conversion rate of prospects is 2 point, it was I think 2.3, or so let's just say 2.4. So it was 2.46% to 3.3%. So meaning, out of 100 people you talk to, you're going to only convert maybe two and a half of them into mm. an actual sale. That's right. true. So now let's, let's do the math. If you multiply that out to get one or two good sales, you need to put your product in front of 10,000 people. And so when you saw me marketing my light bulbs and using social media as a retail chain and pushing for that, even when we did our corporate sales and all of that, it w the whole concept was how can we put ourselves in front of 10,000 people to get one or two good sales? And unlike back in the day, because back in the day, Jesse, you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure both of us are old enough to remember that social media marketing was not a thing. Mm. Actually, even today, it's not as good. People are not do using it as well as they should. Mm -hmm. So you remember we used to have activations and there was a lot of money in, at least in the media space for activations. Yes. So MTN would want to go and... Um, push the product, they'll print t-shirts, flyers, caps, then they'll hire a bunch of young people to go walk around and take those products. So you find that part of that was to get the, the leads up so that also the prospecting numbers could go up. It was a numbers game. Mm. And so when we talk of the art of prospecting, you need to understand that at the end of the day, 
when you know that it's math, it's about research, it's about identification, it's about research, and that's where now you turn leads into prospects. And then even those prospects, you're going to continue with it. They're going to continue at the research stage until they're satisfied. They make a purchase decision. Then they turn into a sales opportunity. That's when now you start to understand that it's purely just a numbers game. There's somebody who says that prospecting is a starting point of mm-hmm. the sales journey. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you have placed another starting point of the leads. Yeah, I'd like you to, to, to separate that for me clearly. Okay. A lead, uh-huh. you say, is someone who has identified that you have your product or mm-hmm, service. Mm-hmm. But what if they have not identified and you want to tag on them mm-hmm. as your prospect? Okay. You so, want to drop the idea to them that you have this service they might need. Okay. So so you need to understand leads are actually even before you actually they actually identify. You understand? Mm-hmm. Identification is the first stage for the consumer, right? But for you as the salesperson, there is also the element where you have to identify who your customer is going to be. Mm-hmm. So you see, we're talking about, we've talked about this before and we talk about strategy. We have your, you have your, your what, your who and your how, right? And then you throw in your why at the end, right? Now, when we talk of your who, that is what I'm talking about. You have to figure out who your consumer is. But at the end of the day, there's something that's really crazy. And I, and I keep coming back to social media uh, because... Social media is a very effective case study. If you look at how, for example, Harvard structures its MBA programs or any effective MBA program in the world, most of them use case studies. And the reason why is because case studies are the best way for anybody to learn anything. Mm. Examples, how does it actually work? And so when you look at social media, I feel like social media marketing is the best place to look at how um, prospecting and leads are generated. So when you look at generation of content on social media, content creators will tell you that don't make a mistake of over-targeting at the initial stages of your content. Don't spend too much time of over-targeting a demographic when you're producing content. So for example, let's say I produce a video content, video content for this podcast. If I go the route of trying to make it purely about business and entrepreneurship, yes, the algorithms will pick that up, but what ends up happening is that it limits my scope Mm. what they say is that let it be open and blanketed like just put the content out there automatically based on the people who are viewing and resharing and reposting your content and commenting and liking then that's when the algorithms now narrow down your, your 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 customer segment and it's the same thing with prospecting just put your content out there. Let as many people identify what you do because they may not need your service, but they will remember when they're talking to someone like, oh, by the way, I remember there's somebody who has a mosquito repellent light bulb. And so what ends up happening, and now I'm talking about this because people, this applies to B2B, B2C, it applies to products and services. Just obviously the numbers differ a bit. So for example, and again, these stats stats are, are from the US. So you find that in Rwanda, maybe our numbers are a little bit lower. So you find that you don't need to put your product in front of 10,000 people for it, for you to get two, one or two good sales. You might actually probably need to put it in front of 2,000. But still, those are 2,000 people you need to put your product in front of. Let's do a case study. Okay, yes. Sir. So I am starting a spa. <laughs> yes. And uh, I would need numbers, definitely. Mm-hmm. This is a business I expect to, to start in about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm targeting women mm-hmm. who are urban mm-hmm. so you speak about putting your content out there mm-hmm. for me to 
to understand prospecting what do i need to do for my spa okay to not take long to pick up and attract customers okay so now you were talking of now the tactics so you see right now we're talking about the methodology right hmm. this is the technical aspect of understanding how a sale happens the prospecting the leads and all of that but now let's talk of the tactics now what i would do for jesse if i was jesse hmm. in your shoes the first thing is i would identify the problem now this is identified when i'm doing my what right i'm divi- defining my what what is the problem that i'm solving for these people Right now, um, cost of living has gone up. Um, we know fuel has gone up. We know food prices have gone up. That's a reality we can't avoid. It's global. It's local. It's in our homes. It's in our lives. Mm. They stress that people deal with on a day-to-day. And if you can provide people with data, obviously present it not as data, but find ways to present it in the story that you tell, that, look, if you don't find ways to unplug and relax, you will not be able to function to deal with your life as it is. Your problems will only get worse if you don't take the time to take a break away from them. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So now what ends up happening is that for you to now prospect these clients, you create that story, you take your content to where you think most of them will be. Now, this is the crazy bit, and this is the reality, and this is something I noticed when I was discussing it with, with some people about even... The you know the four P's of marketing. I'm not getting to get going to get into them, but there's one element of it called place, right? When we talk of place, I told somebody I'm like, how many during a day during the day? Because I was trying to explain to them the effectiveness of online sales, right? Mm-hmm. And prospecting online using technology to your advantage. I was telling them that look, if if somebody works nine to five, and you have a physical supermarket, when can you expect that person to walk into your shop and buy a product? It will have to be obviously before or after work mm-hmm. or on the weekends. So automatically you've lost nine to five. How many hours are those, Jesse? You, the mathematics is not mathing. Um, that's what, eight hours? About eight, yes. Yeah, so eight hours, eight hours of, of, of time is just lost of not being able to generate sales. And so what normally I tell guys, I'm like, okay, if you know that you have to have a physical location, like in your case, you have to have a physical spa, for those eight hours, what are you doing? You're suggesting it in their minds. You're suggesting it because why? When they're at work, at some point, they're going to open their phone to check their WhatsApp. At some point, they're going to open their phone to check their Instagram. At some point, they're going to open their phones to check their Twitter or their Facebook. And so the question is, when they do that, are they finding your, your, your suggestion of a spa, a suggestion of a solution to the problem? Are they finding your story? So what I would say is that figure it out and say, how can I put myself in front of these 10,000 women that need my product so that when they do take that break off of their work, the first thing on their mind is, let me come to to Jesse's spa. We're speaking the art of prospecting. Ephraim <laughs> Ramesh and myself here, Jesse the African Sun. We're going to take a break and then we will be back to just continue on this same subject. They say prospecting is like the treasure hunt of sales. Why do some people find it very challenging when we come back? Radio Doctor, Business, Everything Tech, and Rwanda's Green Agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Welcome back to Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. We're discussing mastering the art of prospecting. You can find us on 
all social media platforms, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, at Salty Africa. That is S-A-L-T-E-E Africa. Ephraim, we have looked at uh, prospecting. We know it's important to prospect because it gives you an edge over your competition, for instance. Mm-hmm. But we find it so difficult mm-hmm. and challenging mm-hmm. to, to do prospecting. Why? One word, rejection. Rejection, Jesse. At one point in your sales journey, you have to overcome rejection. And, I, and even those salespeople at the current level of, of, of performance, they face rejection on a day-to-day. But because they've mastered how to handle rejection, they have found a way to transcend rejection. Mm. And so this is it. You're going to call 10,000 people as an example. As an example, right? You've given yourself a target for the month. In a day, you're like, I'm going to make 200 phone calls, right? And 200 phone calls is not that much, by the way. Like, because on average, some people are going to just hang up the phone on you. Some are going to give you the time. But Well, it, it's 200 phone calls could be about seven hours of making phone no, calls. No, it On average of two to three minutes. Okay, if it's, two to, if it's two, exactly. If it's two to three minutes per call, just explaining what you do and all of that and keeping it short and concise so that the customer doesn't get bored on the phone, then for obviously averaging out for those who didn't even give you 10 seconds and those who give you more, you're talking about 400 hours to make those 200 phone calls. Now, if you're sitting down, let's say, five hours of your day to make those phone calls, that is actually a significant amount of time. But now, again, if you're serious about what you are trying to do, again, and it involves you prospecting, the most effective way is not to make phone calls. The most effective way is to use tools at your disposal, which is social media, because social media and technology have exponentially changed our ability to perform. Mm. Our effectiveness has gone through the roof. So anyway, but that's besides the point. I want to talk about rejection because rejection is one of those things where you look at how many times can you get a no before you get a yes? There's a statistic I saw the other day, and it said that 96% of salespeople stop at the fourth attempt to sell to a person, 96%. And 85% of customers say that they have normally bought something by the fifth request or at least the fifth prospect from the, from the salesperson. So most people are stopping, 96% of people or salespeople are stopping one more push away from their sale. Mm. Why? Because the feeling of having to keep going back to somebody and going back to somebody, there's an e- there's ego, there's pride associated with it. Bored. Even you know, but I think even boredom is not even boredom is not even the biggest issue because no one is thinking of oh, I'm not gonna make money because the sale means I'm gonna make money. Mm. The the biggest issue is normally if I t- if I keep going back to this person the fourth time, it's almost like I'm bothering them. I can't keep dealing with no's and hearing no's every day. But the reality is, is that you have to get so comfortable with hearing no. You have to become a socially disagreeable person. You really actually don't have to care what people think. And I'm not saying disregard the value you're selling to the customer because that's at the essence of your, your, your offering. But I'm saying you need to just be okay with a customer saying you have a bad product or I don't like your product or stop wasting my time. And picking up the phone the next day and calling the same customer again because that's the reality of prospecting. I've had some people say that a no should give you an opportunity on how to say it better the next time. Exactly. That's actually funny. <laughs> no, but seriously, just, but, 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 but honestly, you need to be able to just hear no enough times. Because, I mean, there's only so long somebody can say no. 
and okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm this i'm gonna share some scripture with you there's even a scripture that talks of of a, of a woman who nagged a king a judge a judge sorry for justice mm. and it reached the point where the judges it was jesus who was telling the story i think it's in luke and he's like she nagged me to the like the judge is like okay i'm gonna give this woman justice because she has nagged me mm. I just don't want to see her again. Exactly. And 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 obviously Jesus is talking about you, you should also go to God the same way in prayer. But the logic I'm trying to put forward here is even in sales, nag but in a polite way. But get a customer to a point be like, okay, either this person really has a product that they're really trying to sell or just out of that tenacity to nag me and their consistency and their drive and persistence to push, let me give them the work. In my service world, I've always told my team, the sales team, that you should be able mm. in this Kigad market, mm. when you wake up and at nine you are on your desk and you're doing sales, you should be able to talk to at least about 20 customers. Mm -hmm. They're not normally so many to talk to, to provide mm. a service to, but at least 20 in a day. Mm. Uh, 18 might tell you, I'm busy, uh, we'll talk tomorrow, or <laughs> find a day to talk to me. Exactly. And maybe two would say, send me a proposal. Mm -hmm. Uh, one might say we will do something, but maybe in two months. Mm -hmm. So you tend to find discouragement. Mm. And then I identify that some salespeople just do the prospecting for the sake of doing it, gathering numbers, mm. data. I have the email, I have the phone number, I spoke to so-and-so, but then you're not getting anything that you would, qualitatively, it is not there. Mm. So I want you to talk about uh, finding the balance between quantity of prospects and the quality in prospecting because I know it can be tricky. Mm. You could be just sending information out there, trying to contact people, telling them about who you are, mm. but it's, it's not quality sales mm -hmm. that you are making. So how would you approach that? <laughs> okay, how do I put this? Okay, so Jesse, <laughs> don't treat sales like your love life. You hear what I'm saying, Jesse? But uh, even finding love is prospecting, and but it's not. It's not a. It's, you can't do quantity <laughs> over quality in your love life, Jesse. You uh, unless okay, maybe your 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 objectives are different from the normal human being. Mm. But you cannot in a relationship survive off of off of quantity over quality in prospecting, or at least in sales. It's a quantity game. It's a numbers game. You have to push the numbers that you can't avoid it you can't say no i'm only gonna look for high value clients that is laziness and that's actually a certain level of stupidity like you are shooting yourself in the foot because your competitor is calling everyone mm -hmm. and they're calling everyone all the time but you find products and services or companies who say that's not who we're targeting that i repeat <laughs> There's, a, there's something called Blue Ocean Strategy, and I've shared this before on the show, but I didn't get into details. But it's just this notion that there's so much more out there. Like, there's a customer that has not been tapped into. So, for example, right now, if you tell me that people who are buying media services in Kigali are all the big, like the telcos and the banks and all of that, there's another market that you've not tapped into. The insurance sector. For example, Looks like they're just broke. <laughs> yeah, because they have to keep our money in case we have problems. But anyway, but, but that's besides the point, man. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, we are, you need to take a step back 
and look for new markets because if you keep talk, if you, you just set it in your mind that you're gonna keep calling people to look for business, keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. Eventually, you're gonna land on an untapped market that your competitor is not looking at. The margin, and normally when there's a, an, a new margin, a new a new market that you've not tapped into, there's what we call arbitrary profits. This is now arbitrage profit, sorry, where you have, you make abnormal profits in a short period of time where the margins are ridiculously high and people are like, but how is he, how is that business growing so fast? And it's because you've tapped into this new blue ocean. But now this is what I was going to tell you about the quality now, because it's a quantity game, right? You get your leads because it's a quantity, it's a fun, right? So you, it's, it starts big at the top and then it gets narrow as you go down. So you find that you have at the top, you're doing 10,000 leads you're pushing for those leads. Eventually, you get to, um, I don't know, maybe about 500 prospects, mm. right? Of those 500 prospects, you're only probably going to convert convert maybe about three of them or four of them into a sale. Now, for those 500 to be able to convert them into sales, because some people will stop at the 500 and think, ah, I've hit my numbers. But at the end of the day, the sale is measured in the money. If you don't have money coming in with a contract or a sale or a customer handing you over cash, that's useless. Prospect, all those numbers before are useless. Even if you made calls Monday to Monday on uh, for, for th- six months and you have not sold a single thing, you're not doing it right. Now, how do you do it right? Three words, one phrase, call to action. Call to what? To, to action. action. You need to get the customer to to, you need to put the ball in that court. And this actually, by the way, helps with everything. I do this even with my team. It, it helps in leadership. When you're working with someone, you tell them, you need, when can I expect X? So you've given them a, you've given them a timeline and you've given them an activity. And you need to do that also with your customers the, or your prospects in this context. You have to say, look, um, they say, for example, you ask for an appointment. Okay, they give you the appointment. You ask for the date of the appointment, they give it to you. Okay, when you have the appointment and you've discussed and they've shown interest, ask, when can I follow up? Mm-hmm. If they give you a vague answer, obviously don't be too pushy. Laugh off something something again and bring it up again until you they give you that commitment. Because you find, and I think I shared this in the last episode where we talked about how I was having, I was trying to sell something to somebody and the person was not forthcoming, was supposed to sign a contract. I took them on a spa date. In that time when we were sitting face to face across each other, I kept probing probing to kind of pinpoint where the issue was to prevent them from giving me what I wanted for the call to action to be what I expected because when I went into that conversation I was expecting to leave with the contract signed Mm. and so the same thing with your call to action you need to define it before and that is respond now when we're talking of sales managers sales team managers you as a team manager have to sit down with your team and you need to design your call to actions at every step for the prospecting pop, um, process, for the leads process, for the prospecting process, and for the sales opportunity. And you need to make it very clear, what are you trying to achieve by getting this call to action? So for the first pr- stage of the prospecting point, at least the leads to prospecting is getting that appointment or getting that face value. If you're selling a physical product for you, in this case, you have your spa, is getting the customer to come in your door mm. or to reach out, to drop you guys a WhatsApp to inquire about your services. Now, from there, you need to get another call to action and define it. In the case of the spa, is when can you come? Now, that's where you have these tactics where you give people vouchers. You say, if you come in the next week, you'll get half off. For first-time users, you will get X. Where does the aspect of sampling clients sit with prospecting? Okay, so sampling clients or sampling with clients. Yeah, sampling with clients, your product, for them to have 
you know, to test and have an experience. Again, it's part of, you remember we talked about the four elements of, of your sales channel. Mm. Is there's your identification, then there's your research. So we are now still in that research stage. The customer has still not bought from you. They've still not made a purchase decision. So you're trying to convince them that, hey, look, I can honor the sales promise. I can do everything you think I can and more. The money you're going to give is a fraction of the value you're going to receive. That's what you're trying to communicate to them. So the sample is to actually, it's part of research. It's to give them that aspect to say, hey, look, here's something. It can meet what you think it can. So just taste and see. And so you find that that's, sampling is one of the tactics. But again, you need to also be smart in understanding the, how you value a customer. So this is why I was going to tell you, we're still talking about prospecting. So we've not yet gone to LTV, which is the lifetime value of the customer. Mm. Because it's easier to maintain a client than it is to actually get a new client. Mm. So you need to ask, what's the cost of conversion? Now, these numbers and all of this stuff, and I, I think I'll post something on my Twitter to just explain something further on, on these numbers that you have to look at to, to, to quantify and calculate how much you can afford to sample. Because sometimes you find the cost of getting a customer is not worth the profit you make over the lifetime value of the customer. If you're selling only one service, like for example, in your context, how many times can people come to the spa in a month? Okay, granted, there are people who can come every day, but I mean, like realistically looking at schedule and the, your target audience, if you're looking at mainly women who have responsibilities and have all these life thingies, you're looking at probably once a month, if you're lucky, twice. So how the amount of money you spend on giving them these freebies, does it justify the profit? The, the profit you make, does it justify how many freebies you're giving them, the samples? So that's just something that I think once you understand these technical details, mm -hmm. you will see that it actually is very, very possible. Well, I like you in as we come to an end. Yes. So many times when we are not yet into the job market, you've been a student, you're just finishing school. We don't mm -hmm. think that we are in the sales process. Mm -hmm. But there is the aspect of selling yourself. Mm -hmm. I like you to talk to me about prospecting for opportunities when you are looking for employment. Wow, okay, that's really good. Wow. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I think to find short, in short words, it's the one you have to be socially disagreeable to deal with rejection. Same thing. Mm. Um, you need to put yourself in front of as many people as possible because you might be brilliantly smart. You might be extremely gifted at what you do. You might be an outgoing person, perfect for the job. Your talent matches up with the work that needs to be done, but people don't know. You cannot, you cannot sell what is hidden. Mm. And so, again, you need to just put yourself out there and be okay with people rejecting it. You need to be okay, man, you need to be okay with people calling you all sorts of names for all sorts of reasons. Um, you need to be okay with it because at the end of the day, out of four people, two of them love you. The other two, one is one of the other two, one of them is ish ish, and then there's one who just hates you regardless of what you do. So you need to accept, like, hey, out of four clients, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to 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 four of them, and maybe only one of them will, will bite. In summary, I want to say prospecting is crucial. Mm -hmm. I I call myself an accidental salesperson, <laughs> but uh, prospecting is part of the things that I do every day. Yeah. It's one of uh, those starting points in the sales journey. Sales is entirely a journey and this conversation can go on and on and on and on. Mm. Now, prospecting ensures a consistent flow of potential customers. It also gives you some bit of guarantee for revenue generation, relationship building, and adaptability mm. in a dynamic market environment. Without effective prospecting, the sales process would be incomplete. You'd actually be at no job at all. And the company growth prospects 
would be limited. So this conversation becomes very timely and important, especially mm. as we go into the third quarter, mm. uh, third quarter or fourth quarter of the year. Well, yeah, I think we already <laughs> have started the fourth quarter. So yeah. If you are to start planning for what you should be doing mm. in the first quarter of 2024, mm. you need to master the art of effective mm. prospecting. 2024, 2023? No, we're heading to 2024. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the math is not mathing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ephraim, again, for You're your welcome. insights on today's episode. Subscribe, follow us on social media. That's uh, Salty Africa, S-A-L-T-E-E, Africa, on all platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. We'll see you again next weekend. Bye-bye. Doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m.